love how you pass She take one shot, two shot, three shot, four After nine minutes she come back for more She take off the shoes and pound it on floor Then she start to broke out, broke out like a sword Then she approach me just like a cure Me know that she like me tonight, me a score She sexy, she beautiful and she pure Tell her you me a door, so find up on my body to all our listeners around the world logged on to qmzradio.com and johnnoradio.com of course i have to say good morning to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse thank you all for being here with me it is monday june 6 move it monday and of course we do it in soca styley Thank you everyone for joining me for Coffee and Tall World News on the go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments. That's M-I Media Moments and on Instagram at Moments with Me Media. And that's Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and the me is M-I. Also relaunched the YouTube channel, Moments with Me Media. Check it out. <laughs> we are getting things back um, in alignment, right? So, yeah, that is back up and running. Did some posts, just two posts to it over the weekend. Check it out. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today in international news. Nigeria church attack what where and why many dead after pilgrim bus falls into gorge in northern India we have Russia Ukraine live news updates China accuses Canadian military of provocations near North Korea South Korea and the US fire eight missiles in response to North Korea tests in news out of North America, nine killed, dozens wounded in three mass shootings across the U.S. New York passes bill banning people under 21 from being able to buy or own semi-automatic rifles. North Carolina airport finds 23 pounds of cocaine stuffed in man's wheelchair. Former Wisconsin judge fatally shot in home. Alleged suspect had hit list with government officials' names on it. We have, in my opinion, Queen's Platinum Jubilee, a collective misremembering of empire. 
Business and tech news. Google told to pay Australian politician $515,000 for defamation. Biden to waive tariffs for 24 months on solar panels hit by probe. $1 billion has been lost in cryptocurrency scams since 2021, FTC warns. In health and science news, something we don't talk about, male postnatal depression, why men struggle in silence. And yay! Sports news, Warriors answering game two, top Celtics 107-88 to even the finals. In the Caribbean corner, out of Antigua, father of Prime Minister Brown dead at age 76. Tropical storm warning still in effect for Bermuda as Alex passes. Out of Guyana, two people arrested for stealing millions in braids and weaves. Jamaican mom, husband outraged after autistic son roughed up at a U.S. school. U.S. offers simplified arrival at airports for Caribbean travelers. And we have no Latin American news today. Believe it or not, stories. Georgia teen arrested for making death threats against the Fulton County Sheriff over the YSL Rico arrests. A 23-year-old Memphis woman charged with multiple felonies after firing shots into a woman's house with her kids inside. I hope I hit one of them little bees, she said. Ouch. A California woman finds $36,000 hidden in free Craigslist couch and um, returns it. In entertainment news, Priyanka Chopra blasts shameful Indian body spray ad promoting rape culture. We're going to be right back with the details after this music break. Here's a little more soca to get us going. Of course, you know, it is Move It Monday right here on Coffee and Toe. Thank you all for starting your day off with us. Cinturita suelta, parece pa' mí una acrobata Y estoy loco que conmigo te atreva Lúcete pa' que me pongas a prueba Show them you have it. 
you master all of the tricks. Drop down flat and make your booty split. Tick tock, how are you tick tock? Wine to the wine to the bass. Oh. Keep whining your wine in your waist. Oh. Bend over, practice for the work. Gal brace, position, gymnast, love the way that you whine and jiggle it. apologize for that that was supposed to be the clean version of that song i had to cut that irks right there i do apologize again good morning and thank you to all our listeners logged on to qmzradio.com janoradio.com and everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me and you're listening to coffee and tall world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views uh, i have to make an apology to clubhouse as well um i'm not able to pin any links at the top of the page so i i'm so sorry for that i'm not sure what's going on with the app this morning um had a couple of hiccups this morning too. It opened up the room on me, started the room at like after eight o'clock this morning. I had to hurry up and shut that. So um, I do apologize again to my clubhouse listeners, um, those who are here with me, not able to pin any links at the top. So again, I apologize. And now it is time for the details and we are starting off with international news. Nigeria church attack. What? Where? And why? And this story comes to us courtesy of Al Jazeera. Gunmen attacked a Catholic church in Nigeria during Mass on Sunday, killing at least 50 people, including women and children. And this is according to local reports. And here's what we know so far. At about 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, gunmen with explosives stormed a Catholic church and opened fire in southern Nigeria. According to police authorities, the assailants approached the church during a service and started shooting from outside the church, while four others shot directly into the church. They also detonated explosives. Doctors, volunteers, and authorities said the death toll was at least 50. Many children were among the dead. A doctor speaking anonymously told Reuters that bodies were brought to two hospitals in the town after the attack. He also said there was a need for blood donations to treat the injured. Videos reportedly from the scene of the attack showed church worshippers lying in pools of blood while people wailed around them. 
It was not immediately clear who was behind the attack. The violence took place at St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Owa Town in Ondo State, Nigeria, as worshippers met on Pentecost Sunday. Owo is about 215 miles east of Lagos. Authorities say they have ordered the immediate deployment of armed and specialized police to the area to restore normalcy and fortify the entire community. Police in Ondo State said an anti-bomb squad had been deployed to the scene while efforts are being intensified to arrest the attackers. Ondo State Governor Rotimi Akaderodulu has told people to not take laws into your own hands. This is truly a sad situation. Really is sad. Not sure the reason behind it, why someone would have why a group would have carried out this malicious act. But it is a heartbreaking story. Yeah. Um, hopefully they can find out, you know, get to the bottom of it. Many children were among the dead. I don't know if dispatching um, specialized police can restore normalcy because that is trauma and that is going to sit with them for a while, especially the survivors, who, the survivors who were in the midst of it all. Many dead after Pilgrim bus falls into Gorge in northern India. This story also comes to us courtesy of Al Jazeera. At least 26 people have died and four others were injured after a bus in a mountainous region in the northern Indian state of Uttarakhand plunged into a gorge, police and media reports said. The bus was carrying 30 people, including the driver, to Yamunotri, a remote Hindu pilgrimage site in the Himalayan state, when it went off the road on Sunday evening. They have added that rescue workers were still looking for a missing passenger and the death toll may increase further. The bus was carrying 28 tourists from the Pana district in Madhya Pradesh, local media reports said. Russia-Ukraine live news updates courtesy of Al Jazeera. The UK says it will give Ukraine M270 multiple launch rocket systems that can hit targets up to 50 miles away in a move coordinated with the US. Russia's Vladimir Putin says Russia will strike targets we haven't hit before if Ukraine gets new long-range missiles. Luhansk governor says the situation in one of their cities has worsened a little after saying Ukraine's forces had pushed Russians back and regained control over half of the city. A Russian state media journalist reports Moscow's major general, Roman um, Kutuzov, was killed in eastern Ukraine, adding to Russia's string of high-ranking military casualties. N well, I know they got somewhere, or the U.S. last week, if I'm not mistaken, but we're so wrapped up with everything that's been going on here on U.S. soil. But I know there was another disbursement of $719 million of um, military weaponry from the U.S. And I know Ukraine has said that if the, I think that those weapons, the abbreviation HIMRAS or something like that, th those long range missiles. And I know Russia had said if the U.S. gave them over, they were going to be pushing back and fighting back and it was going to escalate the situation. Well, here it is now. The U.K. Um, says it will give Ukraine multiple launch rockets that can target up to 50 miles away in a move coordinated with the U.S. Are we now 
poking the the bear, dangling the meat in front of the lion, thinking the lion will not strike back. I'm not sure what kind of military intelligence that um, the UK and the US have access to that has allowed them to say, you know something, we're going to go ahead because we know that we can counteract and overcome whatever Russia puts forth. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm like over this war, really. I'm, I'm so done with it. China, good, mor- good morning, naturalists. Go right ahead. Well, they claim they got um, assurance from Ukrainian that those long-range missiles will not actually um, be fired into Russian territory. And um, I, this war is, is going to escalate because no one seems to be backing down. And um, yeah, more innocent life and more destruction and more money in my pockets. And that's my thing. Gas price my, is my main concern right now. Is gas price. Somebody help me. Gas price. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's not just gas price, naturally. It's everything. The cost of everything. That, that's true, too. it's i don't know i really don't know what to say i I, i'm speechless i'm just over it i need it to end i need everybody to just sit at the table and have some kind of discourse come up with some reasonable (laughs) i don't something reasonable that's all i can say and china accuses the Canadian military of provocations near North Korea. This one also comes to us from Al Jazeera. China has accused Canadian military jets of stepping up reconnaissance and provocations against the country, with its foreign ministry warning Ottawa of potential severe consequences. China's defense ministry on Monday said it opposed Canada's actions, which it said endangered the Asian country's national security, while the foreign ministry said the air patrol by Canada was unauthorized. The UN Security Council has never authorized any country to carry out military surveillance in the seas and airspace of other countries in the name of enforcing actions, and this is according to foreign ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian. The comments came after Canada last week accused China of harassing its patrol aircraft during United Nations-backed flights, which were to monitor North Korea's sanctions evasions. Wu Qian, spokesman of the Defense Ministry, said the Chinese military took reasonable measures to deal with Canada's actions and has made solemn representations via diplomatic channels. Last week, the Canadian Armed Forces said interactions between Canadian and Chinese aircraft have become more frequent in recent times, accusing Chinese pilots of not adhering to international air safety norms and putting the safety of Canadian personnel at risk. South Korea and the U.S. fire eight missiles in response to North Korea tests. South Korea and the United States have condemned North Korea's latest missile launches, firing eight ballistic missiles of their own in a show of force aimed at demonstrating the two allies' readiness to respond to Pyongyang's provocations. The launches early on Monday today came a day after North Korea fired eight short-range ballistic missiles towards the sea off its east coast in what analysts said was the largest single test ever by the nuclear-armed country. In a statement, the South Korean Joint Chiefs of Staff said the Allies launched eight ballistic missiles into the East Sea starting at 4.45 a.m. local time for about 10 minutes. The action was a demonstration of the capability and readiness to launch immediate precision strikes 
on the origins of provocations and their command and support forces. Our military strongly condemns the North's series of ballistic missile provocations and seriously urges it to immediately stop acts that raise military tensions on the peninsula and add to security concerns, it added. An official from South Korea's Defense Ministry confirmed eight Army tactical missile systems had been fired. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol, who took office last month, has promised to take a tougher line against North Korea, which has stepped up the development of its missile and nuclear program, and agreed with U.S. President Joe Biden at a May summit in Seoul to upgrade joint military drills and their combined deterrence posture. The two allies on Saturday wrapped up three days of naval drills in international waters of the Japanese island of Okinawa, and I hope I said it right. The exercises involved a U.S. aircraft carrier for the first time since November 2017. North Korea has criticized previous joint drills as an example of Washington's continued hostile policies towards Pyongyang despite its talk of diplomacy. It has conducted a flurry of missile launches this year from hypersonic weapons to test firing its largest intercontinental ballistic missiles for the first time in nearly five years. And those are our international stories coming up after the music break. We do have stories out of North America. And here we are with some more soca music because it is Move It Monday and we do it in soca style. Body with a perfect smile. Perfect body with a perfect smile. You're deaf. My girl, you a champion. Bubble like a bubble for a cause. Bubble for a cause, girl. Bubble for a cause. When you a bubble pine, you may I pass. Girl, you make me know, sir. Don't give a false. Girl, your lips them minty like hearts. Me bring you gift like a Santa Claus.
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to qmzradio.com and janoradio.com and of course to everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me and you're listening to coffee and dough world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views and now it is time for our stories out of north america Nine killed, dozens wounded in three mass shootings across the U.S. At least nine people have been killed and two dozen others um, wounded after shootings in three cities in the United States. The shootings on Saturday night and Sunday morning were the latest outbreaks of gun violence that have left legislators scrambling to tackle the crisis. In Philadelphia, a confrontation between two men on Saturday night escalated into a gunfight that sprayed bullets into a crowded bar and restaurant district, killing three people, wounding 12, and setting off panic as people tried to flee, the police have said. Similarly, a shooting broke um, broke out after midnight near a bar in Chattanooga, Tennessee, killing three and wounding 14, according to police. In yet another shooting in the early hours of Sunday, three people were killed and two were wounded in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, WEYI television is reporting. Unlike the other two cases which affected bystanders, bystanders, sorry, unconnected to the shooting, all five of the people in the Michigan shooting were involved in the incident, police have said. No suspects were reported in custody as of Sunday evening in any of the shootings. The brazen nature of the Philadelphia shooting left officials aghast. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney called it horrendous, despicable, and senseless, while Police Commissioner Daniel Outlaw said we're absolutely devastated. Police believe two men got into a fight and began shooting at each other, and one of them was killed by gunfire. A police officer observed the other gunman firing into the crowd and fired at him. The attacker dropped his gun as police believe he was struck by the officer but he escaped through the crowd. The dead were aged 22, 27, and and 34, excuse me, while the ages of the people wounded ranged from 17 to 69. In Chattanooga, three people were dead and 14 wounded by the multiple shooters. Two died of gunshot wounds and a third died after being struck by a vehicle while fleeing chattanooga police chief celeste murphy appealed for the police public's help asking any witnesses to call a tip line in michigan 
Saginaw police reported they were called to a scene where two men were pronounced dead and one woman was transported to a hospital where she died later from her wounds. Two other men were being treated. Um, to a, it, this is just too much. There have been at least 240 mass shootings in the U.S. so far this year. And this is according to the Gun Violence Archive, a nonprofit research group. It defines a mass shooting as one in which at least four people are shot, excluding the gunman. U.S. President Joe Biden has called um, on Congress to ban assault weapons, expand background checks, and implement other gun control measures to address the string of mass shootings. On Sunday, he renewed his call for restrictions on semi-automatic rifles. If we can't ban assault rifles, as we should, we must at least raise the age to buy assault weapons to 21, he tweeted. A CBS News YouGov poll published on Sunday shows 62% of Americans back a nationwide ban on semi-automatic rifles. Support is even higher for background checks on all gun buyers, 81%, and red flag laws, 72%. Chris Murphy, the lead Democratic U.S. Senator working on bipartisan gun safety talks, said on Monday, he thinks a package including investments in mental health and school safety and some changes to gun laws can pass Congress. I'll say this. Since we're touting mental health and mental illness, if it is the belief, a staunch belief it seems, that mental illness is the reason behind all these mass shootings that are taking place since mental illness is the reason according to them right that people are going and buying high-powered rifles and carrying out these attacks um since you have identified that as the problem and you don't want to curtail the gun laws or change the gun laws, impose the restrictions for what, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm at a loss at this point. You realize that you're saying that that's the problem. Well, don't you then see that if you change the gun laws and you know put in more stringent measures, that you're probably more than likely going to imp- increase the probability less than the likelihood, and I'm using all the different terms right now, you probably stand a chance to mitigate these things, these occurrences, right? You, the, the lessening of these occurrences would happen, right? People would be not as fearful, not worrying when they go out, and I'm just thinking, I mean, I don't have a law degree. I, um, I don't have a psychotherapy degree. Um, I've never held any position in politics. I've never been a leader in any large scale. <laughs> I'm just thinking outside the box. If you realize that these things are happening, these acts are being carried out with by people who have mental illness, well, change the law so they don't have access to the weapons. Um. Can I come in? Yes, please, O'Neill. Go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. Um, I really, I, I personally, 
there need to be changes, of course. So I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say there shouldn't be changes to certain laws and adjustments. But there's one first, the conversation that people with mental illness is doing these acts. That's 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 the first position of absolving people from the real reason why these acts are being done. Um, changing the gun the gun laws in the United States have existed from well watch cowboy and Indian. They've been doing this. Guns have been a, a mainstay in in this society. Um, access whether somebody has a revolver or a or a machine gun, they're still going to commit these acts. The, the, the mental illness that they're speaking about has more to do with the racism, um, the hate, the systematic racism that they keep denying, um, the whole critical race, race theory. Those the real issue lies in human behavior and how and, and how they're educating or or informing these young people. So guns don't kill people. People kill people. So I really have a different. I, I think. I think. I think everything else is a bandaid. It's a bandaid. The guns are out there already. The guns are in the hands of these people already. But maybe, maybe I'm feeling it differently. But they are not doing anything because the whole. The, if they should really do what they're supposed to do, it's going to take a way more. But, but I yield right there. O'Neill, let me ask you a question. The stories, some of the stories that we've been hearing recently, for example, the last week, let's back up some more, the Uvalde um, killing in Texas of the 19 children and the two teachers. The, the man who carried out the acts, he had just turned 18 and he just went and bought the, the um the weapons. So it's not as though he had them for a long time, right? The man at the hospital just last week who went and killed the doctor and the patient and whoever else was in his way, he went and got, he recently um, secured the weapons. So we're seeing that people are going out and getting these weapons close on, to the time on. when they carry out the acts. Am I right or am I wrong? I don't know. Well, so those two situations, yeah, as an impulse. And yes, so if you make it harder for people to purchase the weapons, um, it's maybe going to be a barrier or a hurdle to them conducting the act. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that shouldn't change, but I'm still saying that if you look at the history of a lot of the other incidents, a lot of those guns weren't bought days before. Um, um, the young man that got away in... Kashona, whatever the place name, who was walking with a Air 15 rifle on his back during the protest. Oh, that one. Uh, we have to understand that these kids are exposed, most of them, not all, but a lot of these people are exposed to, to weapons since they're three years old. They've been hunting. Their culture in this country is totally different from what we know in Jamaica and other places. You have people who in Jamaica has never held a gun. <laughs> At sixty years old, <laughs> or or been around the gun. Right. Um, the difference here is that the, it's a culture. Gun is a part of. It's like the Bible, just like oh, we have a Bible in our hands. Guns is a part of this culture. 
Mm. Um, the people that are conducting these acts are they are getting a lot of it is, is sometimes I even wonder if these acts are orchestrated. Because even the last one where the policemen sat outside and wait until the guy killed, you know, con, you know, they're outside the, the room door of the school room and, and why the guy's killing people. Like, these things are not, there's no way it can be explained as just the act of the gunman. It almost seems that they're complicit with, with the acts. Because how do you stand up outside a classroom door Getting nine and nine one one calls and do not react until nineteen people or twenty one people is dead. Yeah. There, to me, there's way more to these situations than what meets the eye, mm-hmm. and and also they have never, you know, they, they they are swift to justice when it comes to giving people long sentences for drugs and other stuff mm-hmm. you know um, you're, you're in Atlanta locking up the rap parties for songs they sing but yet still these people who shoot people are have mental illness oh something's wrong with their brain yeah cause you're white yeah anyway I yield the floor yeah thank you O'Neill appreciate your insight Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. James, can I just read one quick um, thing from the chat, and then I'll have you go. So, in the chat, Sir Kel said, um, a gun for an American is like a machete to Caribbean folk. And you know something, Sir Kells, I agree with you. But thankfully, we're not walking around in the Caribbean just chopping up people left, right, and center every day. If they chop you, it's because they catch you doing something, right? They catch you stealing, their larceny. They catch you um, raping or, you know, it has, they don't just chop you because they feel like chopping you today. They have to catch you committing a crime and then they will chop you up. That's the difference, right? Go ahead, James. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so to what O'Neill was just saying, um, you know, last week I made the point that it's so ironic that a lot of the, the mass shooting happened like in the same month of the the, the um nra convention the sandy walk yeah um the, yes. the, the recent one that just happened and yeah like it, it just seemed like it's something really orchestrated because with all of these activities with all of these just check the mass shooting after every mass shooting gun sales skyrocket every time um republican change to democrat um you know, gun sales skyrocket. So, like, the all of these gun debates that happen only serve the best interests of the, the the NRA. It never, there's never a down moment for them when shooting is up in America. You know, people just um, rush towards getting membership. People just rush towards buying weapons whenever these stuff happens. So, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed very odd that. The two of the biggest school shooting in recent history happens in the same month that they have their big convention where, you know, politicians like um, Ted Cruz and those people are going to speak. It, it just, I don't know, it just too much, too coincidental to me. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, good morning, family. Good morning, Chief. How are you? 
Wow. I have to, I have to, I have to agree with both previous speakers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really apparent. I mean, we historically it's even apparent, you know, because historically you've seen this, you've seen these changes take place because all you have to do is think about what people are lobbying for prior to an event. And so what are people lobbying for in, in, in many of these states? They're lobbying for, for teachers to be able to carry guns in schools. Right. So if you want to if you want to create that scenario or, or enforce that the need for that, all you have to do is create a, a situation. Actually, you have to create a number of situations so that people will be able to say, so look at this event, look at this event, look at this event. This is why you need to arm teachers in the, in the classroom. Right. And that's some of the that's some of the stuff that's going on that you're seeing, you know, and, and we know what some of the fears are regarding that and why it hasn't happened to this point. But if you create a crisis. Crisis always, always creates the implementation of previous plans or ideas that people have placed in legislation or otherwise. Wow. Yeah. I have to agree too, Chief. When I was listening to O'Neill speak and uh, listening to James, I have no choice but to agree with them too. It seems a little odd. It really does. May it take me a minute Call me slow. I don't care. It might take me a minute for my third eye to open up or kick in, but you start to wonder what's really going on. On, excuse me, what's behind this? It, you know what this would um, be similar to? We criticize the Muslim religion heavily in the in America. It's heavily criticized because you know, you've heard suicide bombings, right? And they're doing it in the name of Allah. And we know the history behind that, right? Now it makes you wonder if here people are willing to be gunned down and killed for the sake of the sales of weapons. I don't know. Might sound a little far-fetched. I don't know. But they're they're willing to get gunned down and killed for the sake of um so called freedom. Freedom. Oh, freedom. Yo, trust me. See some of them old time boy down um Texas and them place there. With a little with a little stock, not even a little but the stockpiles and them thing they would them have. I don't think no. Then they're gonna take too lightly to to the government saying you can't have them things again. <laughs> a hunting <laughs> rifle is okay. Hunting rifle is okay, right? <laughs> My issue is the and, right. and, and you know something they may they might end up using those, but here, but that is the thing. Why do you need weapons that are used in the military? Go right ahead, Drake. Oh, I was just saying, um, only made a valid point when he says, um, guns don't kill people, people kill people, but because we know how people are and how they will react in certain situations. Um, you know, we know we have racism, right? We know it's prevalent in this country. We know people carry out acts of hate, right? We know that when people get angry for any little specific reason, right, what what would, would, would just end in an argument if there was no access to guns or whatever, would just end in an argument, right? But no, there's easy access to weapons. When people are angry now, you don't know how they're going to take it out, shoot up a church, whatever. So it's very important because we know how people are to restrict 
the the the, the assault rifles it, it it only makes sense because people just react in many different ways some people kill themselves right some people what we see now we just take down a whole school so you can't have these weapons easy access to these weapons um it, it, they need to really do something about banning assault rifle and not because guns don't kill people because people will kill people we know that right. um let's one to one thing quickly yes go right ahead o'neill all right what i want to say is this i get your point and i'm not against the banning of assault weapons but i want to say one thing i do believe if you i believe in balance so if you have assault rifles, I need to have it. If you have nuclear weapons, I need to have it. Balance, right? I think black people need to start to go to the gun range and black people need to start buying guns. Not because you want to go kill yeah. anybody, but because if you are going to sit as a lame duck, you're going to die, right? So black people need to start to get into that attitude of going to the gun range, learning to fire weapons, and since the law allow you to have it, you also need to have weapons. Mm. But I agree one hundred percent. Agree. Yes, I have to agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I own a I own a couple of assault rifles. You know, in my family household. But the the idea when I think about that and I listen to the rationale, I know that a I know that my AR carries thirty rounds in a magazine. These people who are going doing these killings, in some cases. In most of the cases, actually, they're only kill. They're only the only. They're only finding like four, four to ten rounds. But you got a thirty-round magazine. Now I can understand like the Buffalo thing. They got unloaded, but they said he had like a ton of rounds, like sixteen. I think sixteen magazines or something like that. Or that might have been a Texas shooting. But either way, you can do the same. What, what, what we're finding, you got the same capacity in a rifle. You can get the same capacity in a rifle. I have a twenty-two rifle. The magazine holds eight rounds. Yeah. So you can do the same amount of damage whether you have a, a hunting rifle or you have an AR-15. The only thing about the AR-15 is you just can carry more more bullets. But the people who are doing the kill, like, Oklahoma, like Tulsa, for example, the guy who killed four people, he had a handgun and an AR. So that means he had 30-plus rounds of ammo, and he only used four of the bullets. You know, so it's just looking at it from a perspective. But like the brother said, we have to be able to protect ourselves and defend ourselves. I think that's what makes us easy, easy prey in in, the, in regards to these type of situations. You know, we haven't learned from history and history has shown us we're the most vulnerable people on the planet. Yeah. You know, I even tell people I tell people who, you know, in, in the U.S., you got this, you know, recreational marijuana and things like that. And I tell people who got medical marijuana cards. You are you you're contributing to every person who will not be able to be armed. So you're gonna have a, a community full of people that's high, but you can't you can't arm yourself. You know, and so it's just a it's just a real it's a it's a scenario that we got to look at the science behind it. We have to look at look at the the data and the statistics when these situations happen, and look at the rationale that people are using for wanting to ban ARs. Yeah, you know, I I just. I just think it's uh, and people people who use ARs or who purchase ARs, it's about it's about convenience. It's like the person who goes to the store and buys four four rolls of paper four, four rolls of toilet paper versus the person who goes to Sam's and buys a big sixteen twenty four pack. 
right? You just don't want to run out. You want to have ex you want to have everything you need without having to say, "I got to go load my gun again now because they going off over here." Yeah, is is you just being able to, to to support yourself and defend your family, defend your community, and and do it in an adequate way that supports the well being of your community? Because if we don't care, <laughs> nobody will care. And the truth is, nobody does care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Not, sorry, moments. Yeah. You know what the thing yeah. is? We live between two worlds. <clears throat> the two worlds we live, be we the two worlds we live in between are the ideal world in which none of that would be necessary, and we could all live in, you know, kumbaya, peaceful, you know, nice world where there's no violence. You know, there's not even the random mad person um, going around attacking no one. There's just, it's all peaceful. It's all unicorn and rainbows, etc., etc. Utopia. But we have to deal with the reality. And the reality is the real world we live in is not a nice world. It's not a nice, peaceful, loving society that we would all love it to be mm. so we have to accept a certain amount of you know we have to have a certain amount of allowance or tolerance for such things because we're in 2021 and to be honest yeah like i live in the uk where guns are not legal like that but what do we have we have hella stabbings not, not a day goes past, and I don't hear a report of, you know, a youth man getting stabbed. And I'm tell, I'm to, I'm, I'm not talking. And these guys are not going around with little, um, you know, like little Swiss pet, Swiss army knives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these guys are going with um, samurai swords, Rambo knife. Um, <clears throat> these ones they call zombie knives, and all kind of something. Yeah. Not, not even no little basic kitchen knife. They're going out with, you know, <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay over there, sir? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, got it. Um, they're going out. They're going on with instruments of like war instruments. Like I'm talking, like you know, what I mean, this is not no basic thing. So, you know, <laughs> even if there ain't no guns, people will be killing each other or damaging each other in other ways so you know <laughs> you know what you guys gotta see you gotta see that you guys are a bit fortunate in america that you have the right to arm yourselves to a certain level and capacity yeah. to defend yourself Thank you so Hello. much, sir, girls. Thank you, everyone. And um, New York passes bill banning people under 21 from being able to buy or own semi-automatic rifles. And this story is courtesy of Baller Alert. New York has passed a bill banning people under the age of 21 from being able to purchase or own a semi-automatic rifle. As the number of mass shootings and gun violence related incidents continues to rise in the country, the state of New York is implementing new laws to acknowledge and alleviate the issue. On Thursday, New York passed legislation that makes it illegal for anyone under 21 to own or buy a semi-automatic rifle. And this is according to NBC News. The move comes after, of course, the 18-year-old alleged white supremacist gunned down 
gunned down 10 people and injured three others in a Buffalo, New York grocery store. The majority of the victims were black, and the grocery store was the only black-ran grocery store in Buffalo, NPR reports. Additionally, the new law will require people who want to purchase a semi-automatic to also be licensed, which was only required for handguns. While this bill bans the purchase and ownership of a semi-automatic rifle for people under the age of 21, there's still a gap left for people to buy and own other rifles and shotguns. And I have to go back to the previous sentence. Um, The new law will require people who want to purchase a semi-automatic to also be licensed, which was only required for handguns. So let me please tell me if I'm understanding, interpreting that fragment correctly. You needed to be licensed to own a handgun, but not licensed to own a semi-automatic. Is that what that is saying right there? That you didn't need a license for a semi-automatic, only for a handgun. But the new law now is going to require that you need a license for a semi-automatic. Please tell me that's not what was really happening. That you could get a semi-automatic easier than you could get a handgun. Is that what was going on in New York? <laughs> it's New York. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, of course it doesn't. Especially when you can put a 50-round drum on a handgun. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Who writes these laws? The people who sit down and write laws, do they think clearly? Are they thinking clearly or are they just writing laws to please the people who can compensate them the most? Well, they're probably writing the laws to accommodate. They're they're looking at the data. How many people in New York City own an AR-15? How many people in New York City own a handgun? I can almost guarantee you that the majority own a handgun. So it's like like saying you're doing something when you're doing nothing. And it really doesn't make sense (laughs) because it's not supposed to make sense. (laughs) So now I have to agree with O'Neill's point when he said, um, if they own semi-automatics, we need to have them too. Because you can't go to a gunfight with a knife. No, you can't. They're going to pull up in your, they're going to pull up at your house with, not with three magazines that's 90 rounds and you gotta you got you gotta you, you got a revolver that's got six bullets in it oh my gosh you know something um a north carolina passenger was busted big time after trying to conceal 23 pounds of cocaine in his electric wheelchair. Alexander Lopez Morel, 22, is accused of trying to hide 23 pounds of cocaine inside his wheelchair upon his arrival at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. He was coming in from the Dominican Republic on Thursday, according to U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. The substance was found stuffed in the wheelchair's cushions, tested, tested positive for cocaine in a field test. A total of four packages containing the cocaine were retrieved and the drugs had an estimated street value of $378,000. Lopez Morel was arrested and charged with felony cocaine trafficking. As for the wheelchair, it was handed over for investigation into Homeland Security Investigations, special agents, Queen City's Border Enforcement Security Team, and Charlotte McCann. 
Klecklenburg, and I hope I did not butcher that, um, police department. Really? 20, 23 pounds in an electric wheelchair? What were you thinking? Or it could very well be that it was put there and he didn't even know. So let's not assume. Let me just say that. Judge not. Former Wisconsin judge fatally shot in his home. Alleged suspect had hit list with government officials' names on it. I know, and this was all over the news this weekend. A former judge was fatally shot in his Wisconsin home on Friday. And authorities say the suspected killer had a hit list that included other government officials. Former Juneau County Circuit judge circuit court judge john romer who is 68 or was 68 was shot and killed in the targeted attack the milwaukee journal sentinel reports that the judge retired in 2017 the wisconsin justice department said the killing stems from a case or cases which is what i said when i heard it law enforcement responded to the new lisbon home after someone called 911 and reported shots fired the caller had escaped from the home and called from a nearby house. The Juneau County Special Tactics and Response Team responded to the scene and attempted to negotiate with the suspect, a 56-year-old man. Inside, they found Romer zip-tied to a chair, dead from a gunshot wound. The alleged shooter was located with an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. The suspect, identified as Douglas Udi, or Uday, was transported to an area hospital. He was listed in critical condition. Investigators recovered a firearm at the scene. Uday had a list of government officials as targets, CNN reports. The list included Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and Senate M Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. This, as I mentioned before, does appear to be a targeted act, and the individual who is a suspect appears to have had other targets as well, said Wisconsin Attorney General josh call on friday it appears to be related to the judicial system he said there is no ongoing threat to the public the shooting is still under investigation yeah when i heard it i was like yep yeah, that's targeted somebody rubbed him wrong somebody did him wrong or is it that now they're getting to people with the hope that people will open up their eyes and ears and hearts and do something i don't know I don't. I don't think he killed himself because he, he had he had a hit list, and um, so why would he just kill himself when the rest of the folks are still on, on his hit list? That makes no sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't kill himself. And now for a new segment, in my opinion. <laughs> Did anybody here watch the Queen's Jubilee? I didn't. Okay. So I'm not. What? What was that, Sinead? Why would we do that to ourselves? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the clip that I saw on, on IG, though, that was hilarious for me, was um, the little boy, the little prince. He was rude as heck, but I found it funny as heck. If I was his mom, he would have got a couple of slaps. I'd have pulled him up, taken him in the back, and slapped his little bam-bam a couple of times, but not my business. He, Is that George? I don't know what the little four-year-old's name is, but I just I was it. I was on I was on a chat with my with some friends who live in England while it was on, and the only comment I heard about it was like George is not here for it. That's all they kept saying, but I don't know who was that. I was like, it was just like 
I heard a comment twice and I just say, okay, whatever. I don't care. I don't know who George is. I don't know the names. The only names I know are Charles, Elizabeth, Harry, and then the balding one. But I don't, I, I forgot his name, whatever. Cause they don't mean anything to me. Exactly. But please, I've interrupted. Continue. <laughs> no, so that you're fine. So, this, in my opinion, segment is courtesy of Patrick Gattaro, who's a communications consultant, writer, and award-winning political cartoonist based in Nairobi. In his 1886 gothic novella, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson tells the tale of Dr. Henry Jekyll, wealthy, well-born, and highly respected, who develops a potion that enables him to separate his evil desires from the control of his good self, thus giving rise to the grotesque and deformed Edward Hyde. Jekyll believes that he can receive the pleasure that both parts of his being crave without each being encumbered by the demands of the other. Watching media coverage of festivities marking Queen Elizabeth II's Platinum Jubilee 70 years since she acceded to the throne, I could not help feeling that the British state had achieved something similar. The pomp and circumstance surrounding the celebrations, from the marching troops to beacons lit around the world, were undoubtedly reminiscent of the long-faded glories of the empire, which today are personified by the Queen and her family. However, the memory of the horrors that empire visited on millions around the globe were, to borrow Jekyll's description of his alter ego Hyde, evil had left on that body an imprint of deformity and decay was almost completely absent from the telling it was during a visit to kenya in february 1952 that she learned of her father's death and became queen she and her husband prince philip had almost skipped that leg of their imperial tour given that the colony was already in the early stages of the armed Kenya land and Freedom Army Peasant Rebellion that the world would come to know as the Mau Mau Uprising. The romanticized tale of the girl who went up a tree to a princess and descended or went up a tree a princess and descended a queen tends to ignore the circumstances she was thrust into as well as the death, torture, brutalization and dispossession of Kenyans that would mark the first decade of her reign. Needless to say, little of that made it into the Platinum Jubilee brochure. A large part of the international media seemed to obsess over the reactions of four-year-old Prince Louis to the Royal Air Force fly-past, his facial expressions drawing howls of delight and amusement from the watching crowd. In November 1953, nearly two years into Elizabeth's reign, my father would have been about the same age as Prince Louis. I doubt many journalists would spend any time imagining his reactions over the next 20 months as RAF planes flew over the concentration camps into which the British had forced 1.5 million people and dropped nearly 6 million bombs and Kenyans demanding their land and freedom. I imagine they would have been very different. Little ink will be spilled on another feature of Elizabeth II's reign. Operation Legacy, the systematic attempt to erase and distort the truth about colonial enterprise through the wide-scale theft, destruction, and doctoring of appointments as the wind of change swept her empire away. 
In 2013, after a group of elderly Kenyans sued the United Kingdom, the Foreign Office was forced to admit it, it had illegally hidden more than one million col uh, colonial-era documents that should have been declassified. To date, these documents remain in the UK and are yet to be re repatriated to the colonies they were stolen from. Meant to spare the British government the embarrassment and liability for the atrocities and crimes committed during the colonial era, the existence of the archive was hid not just from Kenyans, but from the British people, many of whom retain a romanticized version of the empire as a benevolent undertaking and remain deeply ignorant of its inhumanity. The Queen today is the Dr. Jekyll to the UK's Mr. Hyde. The encapsulating of the glory and benevolence of the empire with the evil separated out. Neither she nor her descendants have deigned to acknowledge, apologize, and seek to make amends for the horrors visited upon Kenyans in her name. The $25 million grudgingly paid out to 5,000 Mao Mao veterans in 2013 was a pittance compared to the violence and disposition suffered. Remember 190 years ago, the country used 40% of its national budget to compensate slave owners, not slaves, following the abolition of slavery? And the British government continues to deny liability for the sins of the colonial administration, in effect, arguing that Kenyans had inherited the culpability for their own oppression. The murmurs of regret at the atrocities thus far fall far short of an apology. More importantly, there has been no effort made to find and punish the people who committed the atrocities, even though some may still be alive. Some may argue that as a constitutional monarch, she wields little power over the decisions made and actions carried out in her name. However, by choosing to stay silent while she and her family continue to enjoy the fruits of oppression, she has effectively displayed either astounding moral cowardice or quietly endorsed those actions and decisions. Her platinum jubilees are called to a collective misremembering of her imperial past and the violence and misery the state she heads and represents has wrought in the world. But, like Jekyll, the supply of carefully crafted falsehoods, keeping the hide-bound truth at bay, is running out. Around the world, as evidenced by the protests during recent royal tours of the Caribbean, and the, the determination expressed by those nations to rid themselves of the queen as the head of state, the demand for an acknowledgement of the truth and for justice is building steam. If the UK persists in trying to hide from its dark past, it risks its international reputation and standing being consumed by it. The views expressed in this article are the author's own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Al Jazeera's uh, editorial stance, nor those of Coffee in Tokyo, Z Radio, and Jano Radio. But I must say this, well, very well penned, young man. Yeah, 
their reign is coming to an end and what surprised me i will admit i was alarmed was that there were black people in attendance of the jubilee they were actually interviewed by various media outlets how happy they were how excited they were how enormous how filled with joy one said i was here to see the queen but i didn't get to glimpse her because the place was so crowded really really moments black people celebrate trump so don't don't yeah you know there'll always be one there's always that's the that's the that's the problem with our people man there's always one in it <laughs> but you know what um my thing about it i didn't watch none of it um i, I did however hear about prince louis antics and um <laughs> yeah my medical rude boy still you know um I like that still, but um, I found that kind of humorous. But um, what made me laugh is the, you know, how the difference in how they reported it. Because, the, you know, the, the news this morning coming out, oh, you know, you know, Prince Louis, such a cheeky chap, you know, oh, he's such a, you know, he's such a cheeky little lad. Oh, bless him, you know what I mean? But you know what, yeah. I bet you if it was Meghan and Harry's you, they would have been analysing his behaviour and say, yeah, I bet you him have ADHD. I bet, look, you see how I'm rude? You see how I'm rude? You know what I mean? Facts. You know what I mean? They'll be reporting it like that. You know what I mean? But Because it's, cause it's um, you know what I mean? One of the it, potential heirs to the throne now. They might feel like soft in their tone and they're like, you know, oh. bless him such a cheeky little lad oh bless him so bless cute him. so cute you know what i mean bless his little cottons yeah so you know cute. I mean? he's so adorable look at him <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's such a cheeky little boy oh look at him sir like, tell them to have several i ruled him rude very rude him rude but he's the rebel he's the next rebel in the family <laughs> yes he is but he's not he wouldn't be next in line after his father though would he no, I don't think he would. Is he the elder? Is he? The, is he the? No, I think he's the youngest brother. Yeah, isn't it? so he he he's Harry redefined. He's gonna do it. Yeah, he but what I'm do. saying is, yeah, if if his two siblings, God forbid, if they passed away, it's him. Then he would pass to him. So yeah. he's still in line, but you know, if it would only go his way, if you know, they, yeah, those kind of circumstances happen. Yeah. But I have to take a quick minute and say world stop because it's someone's birthday. I'm sorry, I have to celebrate this just for a minute here. Happy birthday, Javette. Welcome. Glad to see you. Hope you're having a wonderful day so far. Oy, oy. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Blessings, blessings.
Javette, happy birthday. Thank you for being a huge supporter. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you. I wish you all the best for the day, for the year, and for many more to come. Thank you. And I celebrate Thanks. you today. Thank you so much, Moments and everybody. I so appreciate it. If I was able to PTR, you'd see this huge smile on my face while I'm driving. <laughs> no, you better be safe out there. <laughs> Don't tell me you're going thank to you, work. Yes, I'm going to work. I'm taking off tomorrow. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I'm actually not taking off tomorrow. No, that's right. I forgot. Yes, I'm going to work. <laughs> I'm just working from home tomorrow. Okay, you're working from home tomorrow. Well, <laughs> please do not be in the office until 7 p.m. today. Let your boss know you are to leave early today. <laughs> Worst case, honestly, on time. Honestly, I'm supposed to be at my desk in 15 minutes, and I got like 45 minutes to go, so I've already taken my slack for this morning. <laughs> you are forgiven, but I still don't want you there past your scheduled time when your shift should end. All right. Thank I won't. You. Thank I you won't. for coming. To, thank you. And to add to your story, my family um, overseas all weekend is, you know, in WhatsApp. Did you see this about the queen? Did you see this about the queen? <laughs> and at one point I had to say, you know what? That family doesn't interest me. So sorry. So they stopped after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's where I'm at too, Jafet. Not interested. Keep it. Don't care. Yep. Even though her face is still on the money in Antigua, the Eastern <sighs> Caribbean money. So. Yeah. Hopefully. We can all cut ties with her. Coming up after the music break, we do have business and tech news and health and science news. Here's a little bit more soca. Of course, it is Move It Monday, and we do it in soca style right here on Coffee and Chill. Every time you come over, in front the mirror. Just whining your bumper, performing for me, and you know that I like it. So sexy when you're dancing, I know it's not for free, baby. Come real close, let me give you a good dose of that good, good love you need. Hey, take your time, baby, give me a little wine. Right there, all I need 
wrong, baby. Turn it around for me. Me have the key that go drive you crazy. Make your mood and sing out the melody. Me walk about for me now. I say you had to you tied up in a your bed. Big brown, black brown, baby, show it all. All our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. And coming up next, it is Money, Money, Money Talk, Business and Tech News. So my baby want to take Google told to pay Australian politician $515,000 for defamation. Wow. A court in Australia has ordered Google to pay a former legislator some 715,000 Australian dollars, the equivalent of which is 515,000 US, in defamation damages over two videos posted to YouTube. The Australian Federal Court found on Monday that the two videos drove John Barillaro, the deputy premier of Australia's most popular state, New South Wales, to quit politics prematurely. Judge Stephen Rares said the videos, which were posted by political commentator Jordan Shanks, amounted to a relentless, racist, 
vilificatory, abusive, and defamatory campaign against Barry Laro. The videos questioned the former legislator's integrity, including labeling him corrupt without evidence and called him racist names that were nothing less than hate speech, the judge said. He found that Alphabet Inc.'s Google, which owns content-sharing website YouTube, earned thousands of dollars by hosting the two videos, but failed to apply its own policies to prevent hate speech, cyberbullying, cyberbullying, and harassment. The videos were viewed nearly 800,000 times between them since being posted in late 2020. When Barry Laru quit politics in October 2021, it was because he was traumatized by Google and Mr. Shang's campaign, and it caused him to leave public office prematurely. He said, I found Google's conduct in this proceeding to be improper and unjustifiable. A Google spokesperson was not immediately available for comment. The company initially defended its conduct, but later withdrew all defenses and conceded that the videos did defame Barry Laro. And this is according to the Australian Associated Press News Agency. U.S. President Joe Biden will declare a 24-month tariff exemption on Monday today for solar panels from four Southeast Asian nations after investigation froze imports and stalled projects in the United States, Reuters has reported, citing sources familiar with the matter. The move comes amid concern about the effect of the Commerce Department's months-long investigation into whether imports of solar panels from Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam, nations which now constitute about 8% of annual panel imports into the U.S., are circumventing tariffs on goods made in China. Biden's action would allay companies' concerns about having to hold billions of dollars in reserves to pay potential tariffs. One source, familiar with the White House plans, disclosed that. There is going to be the safe harbor timeout on the collection of duties, and that's at the heart of what's going on to save all of these solar projects and ensure that they're going forward. Biden also will invoke the Defense Production Act to drive U.S. manufacturing of solar panels and other clean energy technologies in the future with the support of loans and grants, the sources said. State governors, lawmakers, industry officials, and environmentalists have expressed concern over the investigation, which could have led to retroactive tariffs of up to 250%. The issue created a unique dilemma for the White House, which is eager to show U.S. leadership on climate change, in part by encouraging the use of renewable energy while respecting and keeping its distance from the investigation proceedings. Using executive action and invoking the DPA, which gives presidents some authority over domestic industries, allows Biden to take advantage of the tools available to him without stepping on the Commerce Department inquiry. A second source said Biden's proclamation relying on authority from a 1930 trade law would apply only to the four countries and run in parallel with the investigation. Depending on its outcome, tariffs could be leveled, levied sorry, on panels imported after 24 months, but the threat of retroactive payments would be off the table, the source added. Can I ask a question? I'm asking a question. How is it that executive um, 
action can be taken in this case but not in other situations i don't understand this is not life or death it has to do with trade an executive action can be invoked but not on gun control it's called politics it's called winning elections. Rephrase that word. Rephrase that word, O'Neill, um, <laughs> politics. No, it is. it is. It is every decision that is made in this country, um, whether it's Democrat or Republicans, is made, they look at self-interest. What's going to benefit me politically? There's a, there's a midterm election coming up. Um, how am I going to look in those elections? Who, who am I appeasing? Who's my base? Who's my lobbyists? How much money my lobbyists are going to give me? So none of these decisions are made as, as much as... The, I, I tell people, well, it's, PR is a perception. You do what you need to do to present the kind of picture you need to present. They are not, these people are not doing anything to help us. Right. Never. None of their decisions is ever because they're really, truly concerned about any of us. They're first concerned about themselves. Political parties were, were designed to have power. And as long as they have power, they're fulfilling. Just like a business is made to make profit, as long as they have power, they're fulfilling the mandate of political parties. So, yeah, he will sign that document because it it serves the, 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 the importance of his base that's interested in, um, in, in the environment, which is, which is a good thing. But I'm just saying, remember the, the Green New Bill and that side of the, the Democratic Party, that's all about um, those environmental issues and stuff like that. Yeah, he's appeasing that side of the party. Thank you, O'Neill. Appreciate that. One billion dollars has been lost. Moments, are you there? Can you? Are you hearing me? Just now. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. One billion dollars has been lost in cryptocurrency scams since 2021. FTC warns, and this story comes to us courtesy of CNN via WSV in Miami. Cryptocurrency scammers have stolen over $1 billion from 46,000 people since the start of 2021, a new Federal Trade Commission report says. The FTC rang the alarm bells on Friday, saying crypto-related crimes about to about one out of every $4 reported lost to fraud. More than any other payment method, the median individual reported loss was $2,600. The vast majority of those who reported being built used Bitcoin to pay scammers at 70%, followed by Tether and Ether. The victims typically are part of a younger age group. Those aged 25 to 40 are three times as likely to lose money due to fraud. Crypto scams are becoming increasingly popular, shooting up 60 times higher than in 2018. It has all the elements that give scammers an advantage. No bank to flag suspicious transactions, irreversible transfers, and novice investors that are often largely unfamiliar with how crypto works. The FTC's warning comes at a volatile time in the crypto market since Bitcoin hit its peak 
of $69,000 in November, it's lost more than half its value as investors have pulled out of riskier assets due to rising interest rates. Nearly half of those who reported losing money to a crypto scam in 2021 said they were lured in through an online post or social media message. More than half of the posts were seen on Facebook or Instagram. Fake investment opportunities were behind $575 million of all crypto losses reported to the FTC, far more than any other fraud type. Wow. This is not um, good to hear for those of us who have considered it, are considering getting into it. This is certainly a damper, a, cl a rain cloud over that financial sector. In health and science news, and here is something that we don't talk about, and I'll be quite frank, it is something that has never that never came across my mind. I never considered it. And I'm glad I came across the article, courtesy of BBC, and I felt, you know something, it is worth discussing. It's worth bringing to the forefront. Male postnatal depression. Why men struggle in, sin in silence. Many mothers grapple with mental health challenges after the birth of a child, but fathers experience PND, postnatal depression too, and may be slipping through the cracks. For David Levine, the watershed moment came when he imagined he had shaken his baby. It was 2013 and his son was two weeks old. He had put him down on a mat, maybe slightly rougher than I should have, says Levine today. At the time, unable to think straight, he was convinced he'd done worse. As a pediatrician, he knew shaking a baby could cause brain injury, even death. He was horrified. Levine's anger and frustration had been building since his son's birth. Like many newborns, the baby took time to adjust to the outside world. But to Levine, it seemed like he cried constantly. I took it personally, like I'm failing. I'm not doing my job here, he says. I also started feeling like it was directed at me that my son was crying because he did not like me. Levine loved children. Since he had begun his career as a pediatrician in New Jersey, he'd heard one thing over and over from parents. You're going to make such a good father someday. He had been excited when his wife became pregnant and gave birth. When she had challenges with breastfeeding, and he could use his medical background to help incorporate formula, he felt useful. But then his role shifted. He didn't need to be a physician. He needed to be a father. And when the practical tasks of parenthood, like getting his son to stop crying, proved to be a challenge, he thought it was his fault. That's when things started to spiral, he says. He belittled and yelled at his son. He started to see graphic images of committing violence to his child and himself, and he did not see how things would get better. I would tell my wife that this was the end of our life, he says. All I could envision was the cycle of hell that was going to be our lives. In his practice, he screened mothers for postnatal depression, a depressive illness that sets in within a year of giving birth, often referred to as postpartum depression or PPD in the U.S. It's usually seen as a female condition. Could it exist for fathers too? If so, 
Levine had not heard of it. He wasn't alone. PND, a mental health condition which can include feeling persistently low, apathetic, or even suicidal in the first year after birth, is a well-established phenomenon in women, even if it is one that still remains underdiagnosed and undertreated around the world, sometimes with tragic consequences. What's less well known, even to those in the medical field, is that men can get PND too. But many of the resources that can help prevent, diagnose, and treat PND from the screening questionnaires that doctors use to support networks like parenting groups have been built for women. Even the symptoms that people commonly associate with PND tend to pertain more to women than men. Add on the stigma men can feel around expressing mental health challenges. And experts say that we're not just missing mothers with PND. Millions of depressed fathers also could be falling through the cracks. It's a hidden disease. Although there has been rising community awareness about mental illnesses such as postnatal depression in women, women, it's a phenomenon that's much less recognized in men, says Grant Blaschke, the lead clinical advisor of Australian mental health organization Beyond Blue. Yet it has been estimated that around 10% of fathers are depressed in the first year after birth, a rate twice as high as in the general male population. Some research has indicated that 10% could be too low. In the three to six month period after birth, around one in four fathers exhibit symptoms of depression. Many fathers will also get generalized anxiety, OCD, and PTSD, says Daniel Singley, a counseling psychologist in San Diego, California, who specializes in women's in men's issues rather. But relatively few of these men will reach out or even believe they have a problem to begin with. In my practice, it's interesting that even if your background is highly educated or a health professional, there are still high levels of stigma about mental health illness amongst men. And this can result in denial or poor help seeking or a sense that you should just sort it out yourself. Generally, men tend to eschew with medical care more than women. In Canada, for example, researchers have found that around 8 in 10 men will not seek medical care until their partner convinces them to go. But it's also largely due to feelings of embarrassment or shame about being a man, especially a father with depression. Men really really don't want to seek mental health help because it is stigmatized and feminized. And they really don't want to do it during the perinatal period. In heterosexual childbearing couples, he continues, oops, I'm sorry about that music play. <laughs> In heterosexual childbearing couples, he continues, the message usually given to a dad is that pregnancy and birth are a woman's realm. Fathers can be excluded from prenatal appointments, classes, or even the labor itself. When they are present, they're often told that their only job is to be supportive, no matter what anxieties or fears they too may be feeling. This messaging activates the masculine stereotype of protect, provide, says Singley, and it overlooks a key element. Fathers need to support mothers, but 
they also need support. As one dad told researchers in a recent UK study, looking back, the institutions, family, and myself focused on how I would support my wife, and the emphasis was on me staying strong. We're supposed to be the rock. Then, of course, there is the pressure of masculine stereotypes. If fathers are expected to be strong and supportive, who are they if they're depressed? In the same UK study, another participant said he felt like a failure. No true man. Another asked, what sort of man gets depressed after they've had a baby? Some were even hard on themselves about receiving treatment. One man who was given leave from work because of his mental health diagnosis said that when this made it difficult to establish a new routine with the baby, it made his depression worse as I felt like I wasn't just failing with fatherhood, but husbandhood. Others mentioned worrying their partners would leave them. There are still many myths prevalent around mental illness as a sign of weakness or something that a man should just be able to sort out himself. These sorts of myths can be amplified by a sense that the man ought to be the strong one during this big time of transition for the mother and baby. Levine, for his part, did not open to up his wife about just how bad his PND was until about a year later. She didn't know that I was depressed. She didn't know that I had certain feelings towards our son. And also, she didn't know that part of the reason I, ever, I never told her was because I thought that she would think less of me. Men don't talk about their feelings, right? We're supposed to be the rock of our spouses. I didn't have anybody to talk to about this, and I genuinely felt that if I told her, she would leave me, and my wife is a wonderful person. Physiological causes aside, both mothers and involved fathers encounter a number of changes after a baby is born. Adjusting to the new baby, changes to the relationship, changes to the couple's sex life, new responsibilities, coping with the partner's stress and financial pressures. More generally, it can be a time of reflection on one's identity. And many men worry about the responsibility required to look after a baby. I know it was a little bit of a read, but I shortened it as much as I could. But an interesting read. How many of us, and I have to speak to the woman for a second before I jump to the men. How many of us ever thought about this, that men actually go through postnatal depression? I never have, never had, not for once. But as I was reading through the article, I can think back to son number four as a baby. Had him through C-section. Um, it's as though he wanted nothing to do with Marlon. Absolutely nothing. Everything Marlon had him, every time Marlon had him, he started crying. When I say crying, I mean crying. And he would give him back. And it would keep happening. And I do remember, and I hope Marlon doesn't mind me putting his business out there, but this is a learning period for all of us, I feel. For me, at least. And I remember Marlon saying, he doesn't like me. And I was like, no, that's not it. I did notice the look on Marlon's face, but I would, 
I think it's safe to say that neither of us knew that this happening to him with the baby reacting to him this way could actually cause PND and make him feel down or depressed. But when you really think about it, as our world changes, so does the world of the men in our lives. The men who choose to be fathers to their children, their worlds change too. So I think for us women, we need to be more compassionate to our partners, understand that men, and tell me if I'm wrong, you're looking at it, now I have another mouth to feed. It's not just about, oh my gosh, my lineage is going on, and yes, I'm a man, I'm having this child, yes, kudos to me, and I can light the cigars and drink the cognac, and the boys are going to celebrate with me. It goes way beyond that for men. Now they're faced with a lifetime responsibility. They have no choice but to step up. I don't know if anyone wants, men if, or any, you know, if the ladies want to go first or if any of the men want to speak on this topic. Was this something you were aware of? Did you experience it? I guess I'll add is, can you hear me? Yes, Javette. Yes, we can. Okay. I can honestly say that I may not have looked at what men experienced as depression, but I can see how um, anxiety can come in knowing that you have another mouth to feed. And to be honest with you, I think that the men, some men that don't even take care of their children or walk away from their children could be experiencing the same thing too. Because I always wondered how can a man walk away from a child that he brought into this world and not even look back I have to think that mentally they're going through something in order to do that. Um, And I guess I'll just land right there, but I never looked at it as full-on depression because as a woman, in my mind, I always see that, you know, I'm responsible for this child. This child has been in my stomach for X amount of months. And at the end of the day, I'm responsible whether a man is there or not. Right. So I yield my mic there. Great point, Javette. Thank you. That's even going deeper. I would love to hear from one of the men in the room. Yeah, so so for me, I, I believe that, you know, a lot of times when you come on to, you know, birth and parenting, like men are not, you know, spoken about in, in, in the subject, you know, I guess the, the way I think it should be because yeah, it's, you know, I know like the, the mom, like she, you know, she's carrying the child for nine months um, and everything. But if you are a good husband or a good man in general, like you're going to want to be there every step of the way. 
And yes, yeah, so like it, it, it can be, I, I can see how it can lead to, you know, all of these like issues, like it can challenge you like mentally, emotionally and everything, you know? So, and men are, you know, tend to lean on physical strength and not necessarily like mental strength and being emotional and stuff like that. So it, it can be, it can be very taxing on, on you. Like I know for me, like, you know, like working, like, especially with my, my son, like at the time when my, you know, my wife was pregnant with my son, that's when I just opened, opened the restaurant and, you know, like she, you know, had to be there supporting like every step of the way. And, you know, she, you know, with both, with both pregnancies, like it was challenging. Like one with my daughter, like she was turned the wrong way. You know, so we had to be going to clinic regularly for them to the doctor to try and turn turn her the right way and, and that didn't happen. So, you know, end up having to do C section. Um so with my son now, like when we went to the hospital and we were there to do another C section because, you know, like it was a bit of complication to like sitting there in the 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 room with her and they're trying to you know do the delivery and everything and I'm, I'm sitting there patiently like watching everything you know and all of a sudden like one of the the midwife look at the other one and she's like you know something is wrong go call a doctor and you know they you know that scene like almost like a movie scene they push me out of the room and 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 they come in and they they, they rush her to emergency and i'm like like shit, you know like i'm 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 losing my mind yeah. you know so like with, with all of that stuff like sitting there wondering because you know like sometimes women can die during labor and stuff like that so you're thinking everything yeah. and you know just going through that emotion and then after the delivery you know because of complications and stuff we had to we literally live in the hospital for like over a month i think it was six weeks wow you know for, for me having to to go home, to have my little daughter, to cook, to go back to the hospital. We're sleeping there. Like, we literally live in the hospital. So, yeah, it, it can be. If you're not strong, like, it, it's something that can break you as a man if, if, if you're not strong. Like, being there to to support and, and, and to, you know, to, to um, make your, your, your wife or your woman comfortable and know that you're there with her. Like, it, it can drain you also. And I think... That's something that we need to pay more attention to. And I think to what Jivet said, like sometimes I think guys, some guys will just get scared of the whole process and just it's almost like it's easier for them to run than to, to stay there and support, you know. So but it, it can be it can be very difficult. So let me ask you, James, who poured into you while you were pouring into your wife? Who pours into the men? Yeah, I think I think well for me it's just um I think for me the, the, the where I got energy from or that inspiration from is knowing that like I didn't have like you know a father or mother anything like that so like I just draw from that cuz I wanted to be the best father in the world so a part of being the best father in the world is like trying to be like the best husband too you know it goes hand in hand yeah. so like whenever like I felt like 
down or depressed or whatever. And then, you know, I had my, my, my two daughters there with me, like, so, you know, yeah, so, like, you know, stuff like that just kind of give you the, the energy to, to say, like, you know, we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the question that, that you asked, though, still stands. Yeah. Uh, your, everything you said a while ago is about you being macho, mm-hmm. about you finding a way to push through. Um, and I think in this case and a lot of other cases, men, and uh, me being a man, we, we don't really take care of ourselves. Meaning, we, 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 I think we ignore a lot of the times our mental health because we feel like we just need to be a man. And being a man means being tough. And being a man means ignoring, um, you know, the stresses. And, and we, we don't necessarily look for support or, en- or ex- expect to get certain emotional support. Um, and it, and it is, it is, I believe it's important. It's interesting moments hearing, hearing the question comes up and coming from your side too, as a female saying it, who pours in to the man, you know, I think it's important, but yeah. Thank you, O'Neill. Thank you, James. And reading the article had me really thinking. James, I too, son number four, was emergency. He too was pushed out of the room. I was supposed to go in for, um, because I had to be, I was bedridden since October and he was born in December. And I had to have several injections to stop him from coming early, premature. And when I, we made it to, I think it was 38 weeks and I said to my gynecologist, my obstetrician, I can't go anymore. I can't do this anymore. Because, of course, the, their thing is to try to make the child full term as much as possible, or as close to full term as possible, I should say. Um, I remember we going for a scheduled, um, what was the term? When they, uh, when they put you, induced, to induce you. There we go. I remember after the epidural was put in, in my back, I think it was less than five minutes. And Marlon, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Because time means nothing at that point, right? All I remember is the nurse saying, get the doctor. We have a problem. Right? Marlon pushed to the side. He wasn't even in the room when the, when the baby was being delivered by C-section. He wasn't even in there. It was boom, 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 rush. I don't know what was going through his head at that time. 15 plus years later, 15 and a half years later, I still don't know. Never asked. But I'm glad for this article because now it will allow me to have a conversation. What was going through your head? And James, I want to be presumptuous and say he was probably sharing the same feelings you were feeling Anxiety, worry, nervous, chaotic. Yeah, yeah. I think I think to be pushed to be pushed out of the room. You know, like I think that that is probably the the second worst feeling I've ever felt in my life, and the the, the, the one before that was a 
gun to my head. That's how it feel. It feel like you're about to lose, you know, the most precious thing in life. Yeah. You know, so just being pushed out, like, because, you know, you don't know what, like, because when you look at the, if the, you know, if the doctor or the, the midwife panics, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's over for you. Like, in your head, like, you're not thinking anything positive. Because when you look, the last thing you can see is a look on the professional, the person that, that does this every single day. And they have that look on, on, on their face. And then they're like, okay, we need to get you out of the room. <laughs> that, that's the worst feeling ever, trust me. Yeah. I can only imagine. I think it's a conversation we need to have. You know, a lot, and it is true, during this time, men and their emotions and their feelings are disregarded. And that's not right. Really is not right. And quite possibly to go back to what Javed said earlier, if we have a more sensitive approach, if we are more embracing of, you know, a man's mental well-being, and that a man is also subject to feelings of anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera, we could possibly change the outcome. We could possibly have more men involved in the lives of their children. We could possibly reduce them walking out and never coming back. But what do we do? And let us be honest for a second. The minute the man walks away, he's worthless. He's no good. He's deadbeat. Not that I'm defending the behavior, don't get me wrong. But now it leads the question, what's going on in his mind? What is it that he's battling? We're not talking about those fathers who their mothers are telling them, no, that couldn't be your baby. Try your best. No, we're not talking about those situations. What makes a man walk away? What makes a man, because he's no longer with a woman, decide he wants nothing more to do with a child? What is he going through? Something is going on. And instead of us lashing out against them, we need to come to a table and sit down and get true answers. Dig deep within. And they probably don't talk because they know what's coming. They have heard the names before and they're like, yep, let me just go ahead and wear the hat and walk away. Because nobody really cares. No matter what I say, it's never going to matter. It's always going to be about the woman. How do we not know that's what they're battling? So I think this is an opportune time for us to change how we deal with the men how we look at men how we embrace them and their feelings and their emotions their challenges men if you don't feel comfortable talking to us talk amongst yourselves and women if your partner your husband the father of your child is coming to you to have a conversation about what he's going through Listen, listen, and let us not take their feelings for granted. 
and feel that, well, because we're the ones whose bodies were deformed or we're the ones who had to go under the knife or we're the ones who had to go through the hormonal changes and yada, yada, yada. Let us not take it for that, well, what we go through is worse than what they're going through. Because really and truly, we can't be the determiner of that. Right? So let us be more sensitive. Go right ahead. Yes, our moments. Just to say one more thing before you move on. I think, you know, the way how fatherhood has been approached, like in our generation and before, it's like reducing fathers to a paycheck. Yes. Like, just reducing, like, I know that, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's important that men should be provider. But I, I really do believe that the reason why, when you look at Mother's Day and you look at Father's Day, the reason why you see the difference, the love that a child will have for their, their dad will be, will be a bit different because, you know, they'll see like, okay, like if I need a laptop, if I need this, I'm just going to ask that I'll get all the, the, the material stuff, you know, dad is, is there as a provider. And then we miss out a lot if as men, like we don't try to be in touch with like the, the feminine side of us, like being emotional with our kids, being emotional with our, with our, with our spouses. And I think that's one of the approach where, you know, as I said, Father's Day is, 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 is not as revered as, as Mother's Day. And, you know, for me, like I try to do that myself because I'm like, I'm not going to make the mistake that I see, you know, men going out and working 18 hours a day. Um, yes, your kids have Nike, they have Reebok, they have all the fancy stuff, but they don't have an emotional connection with you. And I believe that men, yeah, men should, should make that a priority that, yeah, like that connection is very important. You have to tell, you know, your sons, like, like I remember like even coming to Canada, like and watching other dads from other cultures dropping off their, their, their sons or, or what our daughters and saying, I love you. And just reflecting back in Jamaica, we are like, I, I don't know any of my friends that I went to school with that even had a father to say like, I love you. And in Jamaica, like as a man, they're like, oh, don't tell your son, say, you know, you love him because he's going to be weak and, you know, a bunch of nonsense, you know. So, like, it's, it's very important. Yeah. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate your input. Thank you, O'Neill. I appreciate the Muriel perspective. And thank you, Javed, for opening my eyes to another angle of the situation. And this is a conversation I'm definitely going to carry on over two days after dark, right? Because we talk about communication right and i think it come, falls under that coming up after the music break we have sports news caribbean corner no latin american news today but here's a little bit more soca for move it monday of course we do it in soca styley <laughs> Why you gonna do like that? Why you gonna keep that in from me? Why you gonna do like that? Why you gonna act like you don't know? No, baby, don't do like that. Girl, come feed me, don't be stingy. Why you gonna do like that? No, baby, don't do like that. Oh, I want you to know. Say I like the way you do. I you sabi do the dance. So you just be glad with you. Go, 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 baby, you know. Say you carry no be small. 
Chiquito, dime lo que quieres con todo Girl, I like you, baby Like you, baby And shaking and shouting and breaking them out and making a noise that I be making every time that you be hating. Sorry for keeping you waiting while I'm demonstrating and me watching the people participating. Ain't no debating while I'm eliminating. Look, I be skating all over the rhythm. I play a position and yell at my kiss and you see the way we did so many races. From J.A. back to Trinidad, girl, bye bye. Bungie, I'm boss, gear, what you never had, had. Vikings, global collab on matter. We're up on a high. We're running for the Start to wind on the man, them. We be everything bad and we're friendly, rag. Boy, 
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments With Me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. And of course, it's Movement Monday, and we do it in Soka Styley. Thank you all so much for being here with me. And now it is time for sports news. Warriors! Yep, they answered in game two, topped the Celtics 107-88 to even the finals. Just like in game one, the Golden State Warriors took command with a big third quarter. Unlike game one, they finished the job. The NBA Finals are now tied after the Warriors turned a close game into a rout with a third-quarter masterpiece. Steph Curry scored 29 points. Jordan Poole connected from just inside of midcourt to cap the pivotal quarter, and the Warriors beat the Boston Celtics 107-88 on Sunday night in Game 2. Warriors coach Steve Carr said, I thought everybody was more engaged. That's after his team improved a 5-0. Well, improved to 5-0 after a loss in these playoffs. It's pretty obvious. Just our level of force and physicality was ramped up quite a bit. And it had to be. Poole finished with 17 points for the Warriors, who outscored Boston 35-14 in the third quarter to turn a two-point halftime lead into a 23-point edge. And when the Warriors then scored... The first six points of the fourth, the Celtics waved the surrender flag and emptied their bench. We said we needed to play with desperation, Curry said, and that's what we did. Golden State also got 12 from Kevon Looney on 6-for-6 six six shooting and 11 apiece from Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. Jason Tatum scored 21 of his 28 points in the first half for Boston. Jalen Brown Added 17 for the Celtics, but fought through a 5-for-17 shooting night. And Derek White scored 12. Just like in Game 1, a huge run decided everything. The Celtics went on to a 48-18 run in the second half to decide the opener. The Warriors did not wait that long in Game 2, going in on a 43-14 burst from late in the first half until early in the fourth quarter to turn a tie game into an absolute runaway. Game 3, Wednesday. Boston, how are we feeling, folks? Hmm. Ah, I think uh, Warriors not going to be able to walk over the Celtics. I believe the Celtics are going to push and they're going to fight with everything that's in them. That's my belief. It's not going to be an easy walk in the park for the Warriors. I'm done. You, you know, you know what? What's going to be very interesting in this series? is that people are going to see the importance of, of the coaches because sometimes people think that you load up the team with superstars and stars win the game. But this series is going to be decided by the coaching. Mm. You know, the coaches, you know, the, the better coach is going, to, is going to win this series. You know, the one that, that can make the, 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 the adjustments because, you know, we saw, we saw like um, Kerr, the, the adjustment that he made. He, he was like, okay, so... So Harford and um, Marcus Smart and, and what's his name, White, went off in game one because we were paying too much attention to, to, to Tatum. So lo- what, what we're going to do, we're going to, you know, 
go at them really hard and we are going to guard them one on one. We're not going to double. And see, like, um, Tatum got his, but Harford was like two. Marcus Smart was two. And um, um, White was, was two points. So, you know, so, yeah, the coach, the coach is going to win this one. You think so? All right. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, for no, I think until game four, Boston will have the edge. But if, if Golden State takes back one on the road, like between of, of those two games, mm -hmm. then I think it's going to be over. It's going to be Golden State just going to, you know, um, do their thing. Ah, 107.88. I tell you something. I didn't watch the entire game. I saw bits and pieces of it. But I, the part that I did love, and I think, what's his name? When he scored the, that three-pointer from almost half court, I was like, wow. Pool. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know him. what? I was I like, was too wow. I was too nervous to watch a game. So I just I was just following the score on my phone. I'm like, I don't want to watch this game because Lisa is going to come in and she's going to kill me this morning <laughs> if, they, if, if they lost. So I didn't even watch it. I was just on my phone. Um, you know, doing my thing and, and just checking on the scores and then I watch the highlights after. I'm like, I, I, I'm, this is too nerve-wracking. I couldn't watch it for that very reason too. So I just saw bits and pieces of it because I left Marlon downstairs watching the, the game, went upstairs to do my business and then he came upstairs, turned the game on just in time for me to see it. I was like, wow. And you, did you see the look on Steph Curry's face? He was like, that's my son. That was the look. You know, when you're proud of your child, like, oh, my gosh, he did it. So um, let's see. I don't know if I'll be watching um, Wednesday's game. Honestly, I don't know because I can't deal with my heart racing and nerves going and all. No. So I'm with you on that, James. I will wait for the updates and probably look at little snippets here and there. But to sit down and watch it all out. No, I, I can't. Do, I can't punish myself by wrecking my nerves. Can't do it. <laughs> all right so we do look out for that one and of course we will be talking about it thursday morning now it is time for caribbean corner This story, our first story, comes to us out of Antigua, courtesy of CaribbeanLoopNews.com. Father of PM Brown, dead at 76. Harold Brown, the father of Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, Gaston Brown, has died. This was shared via a statement issued by the office of the Prime Minister on Sunday. Mr. Brown died at the Sir Lester Bird Medical Center on Saturday. He was 76. The cause of death is not known. He will be laid to rest on Tuesday, June 7. That, that, that's pretty quick. Condolences to Prime Minister Brown and the rest of his family. The story will be updated when more information is available. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay, three days. Okay. That is pretty quick for most Antiguans, but I guess... Um, they already have their plots and everything, yeah. so why wait, right? I mean, I'm I'm for a quick burial. Believe you me, I can't get. I guess with the Jamaicans, two, three, four. What on earth are you keeping me on ice that long for? Well, I'm gonna be cremated. So I die today. Get the paperwork in order so I can be cremated as quickly as possible. Put me in an urn. Put me next to my dad. I'm good to go. I don't need to be on ice 
it's not necessary in my that's for me that's for me folks that's for me i know you will not be seeing a casket at my funeral there will be none you'll just see my urn with flowers thank you just surprising javette yeah three days i know um some cultures they do it pretty quickly too right okay so tropical storm warning still in effect for bermuda as alex passes bermudians are being urged to exercise caution as tropical storm alex nears the island with peak winds expected soon in an early morning update the bermuda weather service said while the potential for wet weather has mostly passed sustained tropical storm force winds as well as hazardous surf and very rough seas will continue into late morning before conditions begin to gradually improve much more settled weather is expected to develop Tuesday and beyond as high pressure builds in from the north. Conditions today are expected to be overcast with the chance of a few early showers. According to the Bermuda Weather Service, strong to gale force gusts to storm force winds are expected to move in south-southwesterly direction, possibly briefly increasing the hurricane force, especially in elevated and exposed areas. Um, if you have any relatives or friends in Bermuda, please send them well wishes and hope that they're all prepared and that the worst of it will pass them. You know that they will not be severely affected from this. Uh, we had our share down here in South Florida. I lost electricity. Um, and what was weird is when we had the hurricane back in 2016. Yeah, we didn't lose anything. Nothing. We had electricity right through that hurricane. Um, so I was, a pre I was pretty surprised. We lost power. Um, we're about to cook. Couldn't do that. And just as we said, okay, made up our mind. We couldn't stand the hunger anymore because you want food. You don't want junk. I decided to go get something. We saw the FPL trucks out and about. And then by the time we got to a restaurant to order food to bring home, our sons called us, oh, the power is back. Yay! That's one thing I will say. FPL, they do move pretty quickly. Well, in my neck of the woods, they move pretty quickly. Yeah, so. The police have arrested two people in connection with the theft of Guyanese $5.4 billion, which is the, wow, oh my gosh, which, that's a lot of money. I'm not sure what the equivalent is in U.S. dollars, but it's U.S. Um, 0 0.004 to one Guyanese dollar. So whoever wants to do the math and let me know. For 5.4 billion multiplied by 0 0.004. Let me know what that works out to. According to police reports, the theft occurred between Friday night and Saturday morning. Acting on information received, the police searched a nearby premises where a fraction of the suspected stolen items were recovered another search was then conducted in the area and the remaining items were found in a building located in the backyard of a businesswoman two people were arrested and are now in custody one of the two arrests um was for breaking and entering and larceny while the other was arrested and charged with receiving stolen goods investigations are ongoing let me tell you something this hair thing is big business i'm gonna tell you that much braiding and weaving big business that must have been a, quite a bit of good. Anybody did the math for me? I don't know. I didn't get a chance. Um, didn't get a chance to do the math. Okay, a Jamaican mom and husband outraged after autistic son roughed up at a U.S. school. A Jamaican woman and her husband have been left shocked and outraged 
after the emergence of a video of a female teacher's assistant violently reprimanding and shoving their five-year-old autistic son at a school in North Lauderdale, Florida, in the United States. Though the incident occurred on May 10, Jamaican Finola Long and her husband, John Fishley, were only last week notified of the incident which occurred at the Morrow Elementary School. According to CBS News Miami, Long and her husband have since reported the man handing off their son Amani to the police as they believe the action by the teacher's assistant amounted to child abuse. In the video, the teacher's assistant is seen violently grabbing the autistic child by his shirt and shoving him repeatedly. The woman then repeatedly pushed him to have him sit down in his seat. Another adult female can be seen in the pre-kindergarten special needs classroom at the time the video was recorded, but that person did nothing to stop the assistant as she violently sought to get the child to comply with her requirements. Long and Fishley were only shown the video by a therapist last Wednesday, May 25th, two weeks after the incident. I started crying like maybe a couple minutes into seeing the video. It was horrible, Long told reporters from CBS News Miami. Her husband also described what he saw as being quite horrible. It was quite horrible to see him being treated worse than an animal, the dad told reporters. Fishley shared that Amani and his twin brother Amari both have autism and are nonverbal. However, Amani requires special attention, according to his father. He has tantrums, he self-harms, sometimes he bites himself and throws himself on the ground. According to the United States Autism Research Institute, self-harm or self-injury serves as a means of communication for children living with autism because often a child is trying to convey a feeling or idea they may not be able to express in words. And I'm glad that part was brought up and here's why a couple years ago when I lived in Atlanta I remember there was a young lady who worked with me at the same company I worked at and her son her children went to the same elementary school as our two older children at the time we were at her parent teachers meeting or conference you know when they have the you meet the teachers sit down blase blase so she had her autistic son there with her. Her daughter is in the same class as one of our sons. And her autistic son was with her. I'm not sure how you the spectrum goes, but to me, he looked as though he was on the end where he would do the biting, head banging, and she literally had to grab him. This is the mother. The things that they're describing that the teacher did to this autistic child Amani are the very things the mother had to do to her son. Grabbing him and holding him forcefully, forcing him to sit down because he was having an, what I don't know if you refer to as a seizure, an episode. I'm not sure what the terminology is that's used. But the very, so I am wondering. If it was the same thing that was happening, could it have been that the child was having an episode? I don't know. Because the father has said he has tantrums, he self-harms, bites himself, 
and throws himself on the ground. Could it be that the child is having an episode? And if the child is having an episode, how then is the teacher expected to deal with the child? I don't know. Well, if she's a teacher in a special needs class, obviously she has uh, received um, training. Right. And by the mother looking at the video, obviously she could tell if that person had a good intention towards her child or it was a malice in what they, um, they were doing. So I think that's actually easy, easy to decipher if it um, was done to help or done out of malice because, you know, my sister worked with special needs kids and she tells me that there, there are some horror stories, but you go to extensive training so you know how to, you know, deal with them when they are going through their um the episode uh, my cousin's son he has autism but he's not as you said i don't know what the spectrum is but he's not um i would say he's probably just say 60 percent artist artistic but he was he would sit down and he would just he would just rock and if he's rocking and he's not against the wall or close to him that could arm himself you, you just let him rock because he has to go through that moment. Because when you when you try to like restrain him, and this boy was strong, it seemed like he would uh, do it even more. But if he's like against a wall, then you have to intervene because he's rocking. He's just gonna bang it against the wall or whatever is there because all he's doing is rocking. As you said, that's how they go through whatever part of the episode he's um he's experiencing. Um, but Definitely by watching the video, you'll be able to tell if that lady teacher did it with care or she was just fed up one day. Yeah. You know, I learned right there. Thank you. Thank you for that insight, um, Natras. Now, my question is, the training that special needs teachers receive, are the parents of special needs children made aware of possible outcomes in the classroom setting? And if the child acts out and the degree to which they act out, what is going to happen? Are the, do they have that kind of communication? Does the school communicate the different steps? You know, what the, a parent can expect to happen in a classroom? Well, the school also get a, they get a, a, a bio of what the child normally will do when um he or she is acting out. Okay. I don't know about what the school, um, what their procedure are, if a child is acting out, but it will get a buy exactly. This is James, and, you know, when he is having an episode, and this is what he's doing, and in some cases, they literally explain to the, to the, to the, um, in the bio, what you can do to help them, you know, come off the high. So, but I don't know what, as far as the school is, um, concerned, what they, what their policies are, and I'm pretty sure, like many schools, they love all type of different policies. But yeah. if a child is 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 in need, man, I don't, you know, when it comes to hurting kids, I, I have a soft spot. I don't care, I don't care who you are. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, especially kids who, who, to me, you know, they they are helpless. They are going through something that, you know, you can't understand unless you sometimes you, you you were talking earlier about um, uh, well, not postpartum, but what, what men goes through. Yeah. Um. You can't ex understand unless you see a woman going through postpartum or a man experiencing that kind of, um, you know, anxiety or depression or, 
are these things. Because sometimes, you know, we sit back on our golden chair and we'll be like, you know, I sure did that or they sure did that. But you know what? You have no idea what you would have done yeah. if you were in that same situation because it's easy to talk, but showing actions, that's where the work comes in. Yeah, you're absolutely right, naturalist. So I do hope that when the investigation is complete, I will. I want to hope, and I do hope, that it was a case of trying to protect the child from them harming themselves because, of course, the parents did say the child can't speak and then it was further um, explained to, you know, that certain actions that they take is a form of communication when they can't speak. So I just hope that it's a matter of the, the teacher trying to make sure nothing happens to the child. That's what I'm hoping for. I do hope that there is no case of abuse in this situation. Again, I ha we haven't seen the video. Not sure what end of the spectrum this um, child is on, but I'm, I am hoping for the best that it was just a matter of them protecting the child. And if that was not the case, if abuse is found, of course, the, 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 the teacher needs to be removed from that situation because you wouldn't want someone who signed up for that job um, acting out or getting frustrated because they've had it up to here looking after children with special needs. You know, it takes a special person to be able to work in a classroom with special needs children. That's something I know I couldn't do. So I wouldn't even think about venturing into that avenue, right? Um, the couple has since removed their two sons from the school and are now searching for a new school um, for the ac new academic year that's going to start in the fall. You know, so just hope everything works out. U.S. offers simplified arrival at airports for Caribbean travelers. The United States Customs and Border Protection, CBP Agency, says it has completed the expansion of biometric facial comparison technology at all airports across the United States to further secure and streamline travel from the Caribbean and other places. This innovation effort is a critical milestone for the biometric entry exit program and complements biometric boarding, which is currently at select departure locations. It said the simplified arrival is an enhanced international arrival process that uses facial biometrics to automate the manual document checks that are already required for admission into the United States. This process provides travelers with a secure, more touchless travel experience while fulfilling a long-standing congressional mandate to biometrically record the entry and exit of non-U.S. citizens. In addition, it said Caribbean and other foreign travelers who have visited the United States previously may no longer need to provide fingerprints as their identity will be confirmed through, through the touchless facial biometric process. Okay, advancements being made there. Let's see if it will help the lines in the airports. That's all I'm saying. Um, I remember when I landed in Jamaica and that feature was there when you get off at the um, Donald Sanks International Airport, it took almost an hour for me to get past that. You know, so let's hope that there are no nuances here in the U.S. Um, okay, so coming up after the music break, we have, believe it or not, 
news plus entertainment news still to come and i do appreciate you all being here with me it is move it monday and of course we do it in soca style here on coffee into a little more soca for you I want to see the water dripping down the back of your neck Girl, if I hold you in the dance or after the fet It's trouble, it's trouble Say, me and you together, we can double up And like when the soap drop in the shower, you can bubble up
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments With Me, and you're listening to Coffee in Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. And that was a little bit of our soca styly for Move It Monday. Coming up now, we do have Believe It or Not stories. Georgia teen arrested for making death threats against Fulton County Sheriff over the YSL RICO arrest. And the story is courtesy of Ball Alert. A Georgia teenager was arrested for making death threats toward the sheriff over the YSL RICO arrests. Georgia deputies took 18-year-old Quartet Cortavius Mender into custody on May 26, 2022. Mender was charged with two dozen felony charges for threatening to kill the Fulton County Sheriff. The death threats were sent with hopes of freeing young thug and the YSL crew. Not very smart, young man. Investigators say Mender wrote several death threats in the comments of Instagram posts of Sheriff Pat Labatt, the Gwinnett County Sheriff, and the Fulton County Clark. Authorities stated that Mender wrote he would kill the sheriff, his wife, and Atlanta Public Schools Chief Police Ronald Applin. However, the threats could cease if authorities released one of the YSL members. We take these kinds of brazen threats seriously, said Sheriff Labatt. Social media cyber bullying and hiding behind a keyboard will not protect someone from criminal prosecution. Our investigators are diligent in seeking individuals who mean to do harm to anyone. I am grateful to them for ensuring the safety of myself, my wife, and all citizens of Fulton County. Mender was charged with 23 felony counts of terrorist threats. He is currently being held in Fulton County Jail without bond. I don't mean to... Um, go ahead. Go right ahead. Go ahead, Javette. You know what's so funny? and I had posted on my IG page, there was a senator, a Republican senator, that on his Twitter page kind of threatened the president if they took away the gun rights or his gun rights, basically saying, if you take away our gun rights, you're going to see what happens. I took that as a threat, and it wasn't at me. And I don't think anything happened to the man. Now, this young man, he kind of went totally to the left. So in a way, it's understandable. But our justice is very blind. Yes, it and is. And the scales of justice are lopsided. Yes, they are, Javette. Yes, they are. Uh, again, I must apologize to everyone here on Clubhouse with me. Um, I'm not able to pin any links to the top of the page. So I do apologize for that. I hope by 
tomorrow that will be fixed yeah mm -hmm. yeah the scales always imbalanced javette what do you know comes as no surprise yeah but moments we, we spoke about this um a few weeks ago with the, with the shooting in um in buffalo yes we did we certainly yeah did. where where um there's um and i think it was done was saying that they can't really go and arrest someone until like they're sure that the the, the threat or whatever they're posting they're going to really carry it out so it just seemed very unbalanced that someone can um you know the the shooter from the buffalo shooting can post a lot of hateful stuff and and other we have seen others that that post that they're gonna do this and and do that and no arrest has been made but in some cases then they they, they carry out an arrest even without an immediate um threat or right, anything right. like that so yeah so and it, it will be interesting to see like if because if they arrest this young man and you know they're sending whoever to dig up his his, his house and to search his history and there's no purchase of any weapon or anything like that to show that it's nothing more than just mouth like how you know how are they going to charge him and, and and to what level because right. you know he, he can say one thing but if, if there's no no movement in terms of this person like you would understand if they they find guns and stuff like and to, to see that okay it was something that he was working on but if if they arrest this guy and they check out everything and there's no there's never a purchase of any weapons or anything like that you know it will be interesting to see what the charges that 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 because that, that's not like a lot of charges you know? yeah 23 felony counts but here's yeah. what i would say to people be smart with what you do and what you say you can't go around not in this landscape you cannot go around throwing out idle threats now nobody's taking these things lightly anymore a threat is a threat so we have to um have some amount of responsibility with the things we say right <laughs> Good morning, um, everyone. Oh, you're awake. Good morning, Marlon. Um, I think they arrest them <laughs> because that gang in Atlanta is big. And I think it's fair because um, fair retaliation, because something's going to happen if it's not happening already. Um, so they have to go off. They have to go after everybody who make a threat because they really don't know who is who. So when you post something, they're going to come and get you. Is it right? Uh, yeah, somewhat, but a threat is a threat. As Javette said earlier, I saw... Anyways, happy birthday, Miss Javette. Sorry. <laughs> I would think that's the first thing you would say. Yeah, I totally <laughs> forgot. Happy uh, 21st birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I hope Javette doesn't forgive you for that one, but continue on, Marlon. Yeah, it's uh, a threat is a threat, and I I saw that post with um with that politician who was set up by the president, and he should be arrested as well, and anyone else who posts a threat to anybody need to be arrested. Yeah. Um, cause you're not sure if they're gonna pull it off or not. So I think they need, if they're gonna arrest this guy, although it's a gang related, if somebody posts a threat to anyone, need to be arrested, need to be checked out. Um, they can't just do it because they're gang-related or just doing it as one person. Because people post threat online every day and they don't check it out. So if you're going to check this guy out, go to his house, ramsack his house, and check, make sure you don't have any weapons, you need to do it to everybody. Yep. 
you know, because you don't know who is who, and we all are mentally ill. Every one of us have issues. So they need to check every every threat. Threat is just a threat. That's all. Thank you, Marlon. A 23-year-old Memphis woman is behind bars after shooting into a woman's home with children inside. On May 2nd, 23-year-old Jahari Jenkins reportedly fired shots into a woman's home. The Memphis Police Department was called after the woman said her three children were inside the house. The children later identified Jenkins as the shooter in a six-person photo lineup. The children state that Jenkins fired one shot into the floor and said, I hope I hit one of them little bees. Jenkins then walked into the second floor hallway and fired four to five times into the living room window. A witness said she was at a nearby apartment when she heard several shots. According to the witness, she heard Jenkins say, since I already got a charge on me, I might as well get another one today by killing you and your kids. B. Jenkins was charged with multiple counts of criminal attempt, first-degree murder, aggravated assault, and more. Girl, are you crazy? <sighs> that was really foolish. And then you're going to make that statement. I got one charge in me, so I might as well get another one. You may not come out anytime soon, my dear. Yeah, um, I have several seats. A California woman. You know, in life, we get our blessings, and we also throw our blessings away. Now, listen to this story. Believe it or not, a California woman was shocked to find more than $36,000 in cash hidden in the cushions of a couch she found on Craigslist. Vicky was browsing the site while looking for furniture for her new home when she came across an ad for free furniture. The listing was for a set of sofas and a matching chair. At first, she thought maybe the ad was a gimmick, but decided to call anyway. She learned a family was giving away the furniture of a loved one who had recently passed away. I just moved in and I don't have anything in my house. I was so excited. So we picked it up and brought it in. Uh, Vicky told ABC7. While checking over the furniture, she discovered something strange in one of the cushions. She felt an object inside one of the cushions. And when she removed it, she realized it was several envelopes filled with thousands of dollars. I was just telling my son, come, 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 she said. I was screaming, this is money. I need to call the guy. Vicky gave the money to the family who explained to her they had found cash hidden in the house, but only a couple hundred dollars. As a thank you, the family gave Vicky $2,200 so she could buy new, a new refrigerator. I was not expecting a dime from them. I was not. Girl, girl. She 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 feared for her life moments. She don't know where that money come from. That's the only thing I could think of because did she pick the couch up or did they drop off the couch? Because if she picked the couch up and they don't know where I live, they're not getting that back. I'ma tell you something. That's my blessing. Thirty-six thousand dollars. That's my blessing. I'm sorry, that's because they found more money in the house. That's I'm sorry, that's my blessing. You know what? They probably gave away the sofa because it, to them it felt lumpy, right? So that's my blessing. I'm sorry, I don't care. I was not turning it over. I don't care as long as I check that money and it ain't counterfeit. It's mine. And yes, Dre, if I pick that sofa up, it's mine. 
sorry finders keepers they didn't lose anything so they had nothing to weep about yeah that lady looked like a christian lady i'm a christian and i'm receiving the blessing we get our blessings in different ways folks i'm sorry i was not turning that over <laughs> in entertainment news priyanka chopra blasts shameful indian body spray ad promoting rape culture a television commercial for a male body spray has been taken off the air in india while critics say it made light of gang rape bollywood celebrities including priyanka chopra richa chadha and farhan khan are among those to have lambasted the commercial for layer shot a brand of male fragrance calling it shameful disgusting and incredibly tasteless its controversial advert shows four men appearing to stalk a frightened looking woman in a store before cutting to one of the men saying wherefore there's one who takes the shot only when the woman turns around does it become clear they are talking about the body spray which one of the men then takes from a store shelf and uses the commercial caused a storm on social media where critics including various celebrities blasted its innuendo as making light of rape many said the timing of the advert made it particularly insensitive as it was broadcast just a week after a case in which a 17 year old was allegedly raped by five men in the in a southern city the latest in a series of high profile crimes against women and minority groups across the country the advertisement is clearly promoting sexual violence against women and girls and promoting a rapist mentality among men. The advertisement is cringe cringeworthy and should not be allowed to be played on mass media, wrote Swati Malawal, chairwoman of the Delhi Commission for Women, to the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting on Saturday. Within 24 hours, the ministry had taken the commercial off the air and asked Twitter and YouTube to remove it from their platforms as well. In an email to Twitter, the ministry said the videos were detrimental to the portrayal of women in the interest of decency and morality and violated the digital media ethics code. In a statement Monday, Layer Shot apologized for the television advertisement, saying they never intended to hurt anyone's sentiments or feelings or outrage any woman's modesty or promote any sort of culture as wrongly perceived by some. The brand said it had voluntarily asked that all its media partners stop broadcasting the advertisements from Saturday with immediate effect. Well, at least they took it down. They listened. Yeah, we have to be so careful. Gang rape is not something you want to make light of in any way, shape or form. So thank you for listening, India. Coming up after the music break, we have a moment with me. Here's a little bit more Soka. Move it Monday in Soka style.
And if you're wondering why so much soca today, I am celebrating Javette's birthday. So I know she's at work. She can't sing. She can't get up and dance. So just playing a little more soca just for just for Javette today. I think I can squeeze one more in. I get lost in the music because I'm over here having a grand time. A moment with me. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I am possible. Audrey Hepburn. Remember, I always say this don't put limits on yourselves. Well, Javed, I hope you do have a wonderful day. Thank you for spending some of your birthday with us. And ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the morning. Ladies, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Jano Radio. Jano Radio. We are, we are, we are online 24-7. We, 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 we hope you enjoyed the show. Bye-bye. Thank you to all our listeners who logged on to QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. And everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens at Moments with me. And you were listening to Coffee Into a World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Always great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. Whatever you do, wherever you go, please be safe.